0: A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanirajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa sallallahu tubarak wa ta'ala Wa sallam ala seyyidina wa sannadina wa habibina wa shafi'ina wa maulana Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhurriyatihi wa ahli baithihi wa man tabi'un bi ikhsanin ila yawm al-deen wa sallam atas'i man kafeeran amma ba'd So we mention in the khutbah about what? That it's a part of part of deen to make a plan and to work for things that you want to happen to happen. Rasul Sallallahu was a planner. He used to plan. It's not like he had the Qur'an, it was all given to him at one time and then he waved his fingers and said, I'm the Messenger of Allah, I'm the Sayyidu Wali Adam, I'm the Khayrul Kullihimi. This is all true, but there is a hikmah in Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala uh, having him go through a process so that we can also understand what that process is and through that process we can learn and gain benefit that we couldn't have had we had everything handed to us, uh, handed to us straight away. If you look at the Messenger of Allah sallam, there's a plan in everything. There's a plan before he went to Hijrah, he met with the Ansar Anhum in uh, Mina in a place called Aqaba. At the end of Minna there's a masjid there to this day. Who here has been to that masjid? You've been to that masjid before? It used to be locked up. Now they opened. You can go inside and, and, and pray. And it. it was built in the Abbasi uh, uh, time of the Abbasi Khilafah. It was excavated because it was buried underground uh, over time. And uh, that masjid was uh, the place where the uh, the Prophet ﷺ took the bay'ah. Uh, uh, Ba'at al-Aqaba. He took the oath of allegiance at Aqaba from the Ansar, and they—I they, mean—they literally—they made a plan. Sayyidina Abbas anhu, uh, who wasn't even Muslim at that time, at least openly. He he told the he told the people of Aws and Khazraj. He said, "If you're going to take him, then these are the conditions, and you have to promise you'll protect him, and you'll pr- promise uh, 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 that you'll support him, etc., etc." They made the plan. They left Madin- for Madina and Makkah Mukarrama for little by little. Not all at the same time. The Prophet ﷺ left in a very planned and methodical way. The Prophet ﷺ, when he left Makkah Mukarramah, Medina is in the north, he left the the route going south and they hid in the cave of Thor. Why? He didn't just say, oh look, I'm the messenger of Allah, so I should be magically protected. Rather, all of the means, he took them into into account. Taking the means into account when you do something, making a plan when you do something, is not the opposite of, of trusting in Allah. Rather, the sunnah of trusting in Allah is to make the plan and then you stick to it. To make the plan and then trust in Allah Ta'ala that this plan is difficult, it's not easy to execute. I tried my best. I tried my best. I made the plan the best I could and it still might fail. All I can do now is trust in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and and execute this thing as best as I can. MashaAllah, I was sharing with Bhai Tar Atta that I think I'm probably the first imam in ICC's history to read Ash'ar from uh, uh, Mulana Jaladin Rumi in Persian. So here goes. I don't see any Persian speakers here, but you know, just for your own cultural edification, here goes. From the Masnavi. he has a couple of abiyat. <speaking in Allah> he said, if you're going to do, uh, trust in Allah Ta'ala, if you're going to make trust in Allah, you're going to make tawakkul, then do it through your work. Don't just say, I'm making tawakkil ala Allah. There's a hadith of the Prophet wasallam that there were people who came to hajj and, the, and they made no preparation for hajj. They just showed up in Medina and said, we're going to go with you to, to hajj. And he asked them, where's your provisions? Where's all of your uh, food and your money and all these things that you prepared for the journey? They said, we're going to trust in Allah. He says, trust in Allah, what? You're just going to go around and ask other people in the caravan and beg? The Rasul wasallam was not pleased with this. If you're going to trust in Allah, then do it through your work, do it through your planning. pastakya <laughs> kun. Do your work. Do your work. And in the work, while you're doing your work, then that's that's how you put your trust in al jabbar the one who is uh, possessed of a brute force of might, the one through whom your work is even possible. Ramzi al-Kasib Habibullah <laughs> Shano. masho. He says, "If you want to know the secret of the, the author of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam kasibu habibullah, the one in the in the household who earns for everybody else, that's the one who Allah loves.' You know, so don't be don't be uh, uh, you know don't be uh, upset or bitter that you have to earn and share money with your family." Not the brothers, not the fathers, no, nor the sisters. There are some sisters also they have to earn for their family to be the father and the mother for the family also because the breadwinner is deceased or has abandoned their responsibility or for whatever reason. The one who sacrifices and works hard to bring for the family, it's attributed to the Messenger of Allah that he said, that's the one who Allah loves. If you go to the Sultan Ahmed Masjid, it's like probably in my opinion, at least aesthetically, the most beautiful of Istanbul's imperial masjid. Uh, it's written on the, the back exit. So if you go exit through the door that's uh, away from the Qibla, there's a big, uh, and it's the door that traditionally the people would go, go through to go toward the marketplace. The Kapili Charse, the what they call the Grand Bazaar. Uh, uh, in Arabic, sorry, in Turkish, it actually means like the gated bazaar. But if you go toward the Kapil it's it's uh, uh, written in big calligraphy in, in the Khat Nasta'liq. That Al uh, uh, Kasibu Habibullah, the one who earns for his family, that one is the one who Allah loves. That one is the beloved one of Allah Taala. He says Al Kasib Habibullah. <laughs> az dal He says that if you want to know the secret of the Kasib is the Habibullah, the one who earns is the beloved of Allah Taala. Then know. That you can't use trust in Allah Ta'ala as an excuse to be lazy. You cannot use it, right? Kahil, like in Arabic it means like, uh, 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 like, like being old, like being like weak and tired. That's, you can't use uh, that I'm trusting in Allah Ta'ala to show your weakness and your laziness in front of people. So the idea is what is it? You gotta, you gotta make a plan. You only learn these things by seeing those people who have those plans. From amongst our mashayf, Allah, tabarak wa wa ta'ala, it said that his schedule was so meticulously kept that even if you wanted to shake hands with him, he, it's not that he wouldn't shake hands or meet with people. You had to have it written into, the, written into the schedule. He wrote over a hundred books in his lifetime, and uh, they're scholarly works. They're not like pamphlets like "What is Islam?" You know, like "What you know like What is Islam?" and like does Islam equal terrorism? No, these are like kind of pamphlets you can crank out really quickly. You know, These are like muhaktaq works, works of issues of fift, issues of aqidah, tafsir, um, uh, technical works. And he cranked out, he cranked out over a hundred works in his lifetime. Many people in the masjid may not even read a hundred books in their lifetime. How many books have you read in the last year? I mean, some of the learned people obviously will go through many more than that. But many people may not even read a hundred books in their lifetime, much less write them. And there are books that are still read to this day from amongst the ulama. How did he crank it out? It's because his schedule was kept with such meticulousness and with such propriety that every day he would spend an hour writing. Imagine if you spent an hour writing, you're going to write at least half a page. You're going to write at least a page. right? That means you can crank out a book every year. You can crank out a book every year and all it costs you is what? You know that this is the hour this is what I'm going to do in the hour. I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to not use my uh, Facebook, not use my Twitter, not uh, uh, watch TV, Netflix, cat videos on YouTube, etc., etc. It was easier. Like when we were your guys' age, it was easier because all of these distractions weren't there, you know, there's only a certain limited amount of channels that you could watch on TV and like there were most of the hours of the day, they were just playing like reruns from the 60s or whatever, and there's only so many times you can watch MASH in the day. Uh, uh, it's, it's, you know, it was, and it still was a distraction. What is it? You have to keep your schedule propriety only when you see uh, people who do this, you can learn from them. So I wanted to share just a couple of very practical points uh, uh, with regards to how, to how to keep a schedule and what time, time management means. The first thing a person needs to do in order to have time management is to have a vision. What is your vision? Your vision is what do you want out of your life? It can be anything. I want to be an NBA player. I want to be a trillionaire. I want to be, uh, uh, you know, I want to be, uh, I want to write a hundred books. I want to do this, I want to do that. You have to figure out what is your vision in life. You can choose whatever you want. وَأَلَّيْسَ insani Allah Ta'ala Himself says that the insan is not going to get anything except for the thing that they strive for. What is your sa'i for? What is it that you want out of your, your life? Right? I mean, what do you want? What do you want out of your life? Muhammad Amin, what do you want out of your life? What's your, what's your vision? Have you thought about it? What? He said, I want to go to Jannah. That's a good answer. It's very interesting if you ask a kafir this question, they'll struggle with it. Like, literally, there are like weird, like, New Age spiritual type retreats that people pay thousands of dollars to go to, and they'll brainstorm all weekend and they still won't figure out what their, what their vision is. There's actually a vision even deeper than that. Right? That the Jannah is a representation of Allah being pleased with you. That I want Allah to be pleased with me. Right? If Allah Taala is pleased with you, your this world is a Jannah, and your Jannah is a Jannah, and the Day of Judgment is a Jannah. Everything's a Jannah. Wa Ridwanu min Allahi Akbar. And the pleasure of Allah Taala that He should be pleased with you is even greater than the Jannah itself. But the Jannah is the, the, the supreme manifestation in the creation of Allah Taala's Ridwan. So they're really the same. They're really the same thing. They're really the same thing. That you want Allah Ta'ala to be pleased with you. Do you know how how many light years ahead of uh, of a jahil uh, uh, person this answer is? Because there are people, if you ask them, what's your vision? They say, I want to become a doctor. Okay, the day you get your medical degree, what are you going to do? Kill yourself because you have no more reason to live? Funny thing, people actually do that. People will commit suicide because their goal is to be famous. Now they became famous, there's nothing else left for them in life of value. And it's really interesting because like billionaire type people, you know, famous people who everyone fawns over and if the person were to like cut their nail with a nail clipper, their dirty nail clipping, like 20 people will fight over it, get into a fist fight over it and pay $10,000. Those type of famous people, they're oftentimes the most despondent in the world. Why? Because once they've fulfilled it, they have no reason to live anymore. If your reason is the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, does your reason to live ever run out? It doesn't run out in life and it doesn't run out of death either. There are people who will literally get to that point and they'll realize their existence is empty and those are the people who, they'll kill kill themselves. And then they'll go on Oprah and they'll be like, you know, you know, having all this money and all this wealth and property, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And like poor people like us, we're like, yeah, whatever, man, like, give me the billion dollars then, right? But the fact of the matter is if that's your vision, that's all you want out of life, even when you get it, you're not going to be able to enjoy it. Why? Because there's no purpose. There's no purpose. Having no purpose in life is the most painful thing in the world. It's more painful than disease, it's more painful than poverty, it's more painful than sickness and injury, it's more painful than anything in the world. If a person has a reason to live, they will cope with great amounts of pain. If a person has no reason to live, even a small amount of pain is going to make them go despondent. So the first thing you have to do is know what's your vision. Your vision can be anything. If you want to be a billionaire, a trillionaire, whatever it is you want to have as your vision, you have to know what your vision is. Then that something is completely abstract. It doesn't require negotiation with reality at all. Afterward, once you know what your vision is, then what happens is that you have to develop what they call a strategic plan. The str- strategy, the strategic plan is different than the vision. The strategic plan is very practical. The strategic plan is what? OK, what is this vision? Uh, how long will it take me to get, to get to this vision, to fulfill this vision? Do I have enough time to be able to do it? Will I survive that long in order to be able to do it? If it will take 200 years to complete, you know, I have to find someone to carry it on after I'm done in order to complete it, you know? Uh, there are some people, their visions are very crooked visions. You know, I probably mentioned this in Bayan before. You guys know where Walt Disney, you know Walt Disney made all those Disney movies and everything. You know where Walt Disney is right now? He's in the freezer. He's in the freezer right now. Because he thought, oh, I can't die, I don't want to die. I'm mean, going to freeze my body. Maybe someday like the technology will come and uh, uh, it will like, be able to revive me and bring me back to life and I'll be able to live forever. And the Malakul Molt is like, okay, buddy, it's time to go now, right? But that's his idea of how he's going to negotiate this problem. That he doesn't, he cannot die, he has to keep living. It's a failure, but that was his attempt to, to negotiate that problem. Your strategic plan will involve you knowing what you want out of your life, how long you think it should take for you to ex- execute your vision. And if it takes 20 years or 40 years or 70 years to execute your vision, then based on what that strate- what, what that, uh, uh, that that estimate of how long it will take to execute, you will then be able to chart out how much, like what your goals are, what the mileposts are, in, uh, in, the, in the time that it takes from you to, for you to get from where you are right now to where uh, obtaining your vision is. So, for example, if you want to get to Jannah, then a person will think, like, how am I going get, to get there, right? First you have to have Iman and keep it. Then you have to do a bunch of good deeds. There's a number of routes that will take you there, okay? If you're not the most intelligent person in the world, then becoming like a uh, Shaykh al hadith or like the Mufti of the Republic is probably not the route you're going to take in order to have Allah be pleased with you. If your body is strong, you can be a mujahid fi sabirillah. If your body is strong, you can do service in the masjid and you can serve the, the, the people who need service. If you, if you have good business sense... You can run your business and you can give large amounts of money in sadaqah and build a masjid, etc. If you're a, a person who's like a gifted like negotiator or talker, you know, you can you can say that I'm gonna go make dawah to people and bring them into the deen. I'm you're gonna look at the tools that you have, decide which route you're going to use as a means to obtain that end, and then you 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 uh, um, chart your goals in the middle, right? So if you wanna become a scholar, if you wanna become a scholar of the deen and serve the deen through ilm then that means that, you know, the next seven years, ten years should be spent studying. If you want to become a da'i and call the people to the deen, you may not need to know all the ahkam of like, you know, uh, uh, buying cloth from the middle of the bolt or from the end of the bolt or from the beginning of the bolt, you know, from the hidayah in great detail. So you may need to study for two years. If you want to, uh, uh, you know, say that I want to serve the deen through... Uh, political means you know you may want to go and get a degree in political science you may want to go and get an internship in care. Uh, you may want to what will happen is that you have a vision and then you have a strategic plan on how to get to that vision and that strategic plan will give you markers of what you should be doing fifty years from now, twenty years from now, ten years from now, one year from now and then based on those big goalposts and those big markers, then you'll be able to negotiate also then like the smaller the smaller time periods like if you know what you want to be doing a year from now then you have smaller sub goals that should happen every month and your sub goals that happen for every month they will let you know what your goal is for the day if your goal is for the day uh, you know your goal is for the day what but you need to get like your degree within four years or whatever your goal for the your goal for the day will have your strategic plan for the day will include what going to school do your homework if you have to pay your tuition, going to work in order to pay your tuition, you know, you still want to go to Jannah, so Jum'ah is fard, so you have to go to Jum'ah, right? Isha is fard, so you have to pray your Isha, right? The other prayers are fard as well, don't worry, right? It will literally, it will literally give you a, a way of planning out your day down to the minute. Now someone's going to say, Shaykh, you know, I'm not on top of my game, that uh, I can just like do everything all the time down to the minute, like be on task. You know, I get tired, I get lazy, I get distracted. You know, if I work too much or I read too much at one time, uh, my mind becomes an omelet and I can't focus anymore. Okay, that's fine. If you need to take a break, write your break into the plan as well. Every day I need to decompress for half an hour. Okay, then go deep. When it's time to decompress, don't do any of your work. Go watch cat videos on YouTube for the rest of this. They say, Shaykh, cat video, no music, no aurav, non mahram, nothing. It's just kitty cats playing with a ball of yarn. It's halal, right? I go, yeah, you know, according to some lifties, maybe. You know, maybe Shaykh Musa will say it's haram. But like, you know, you can go and ask me and I'll, 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 I'll say it's, it's okay, right? Go watch your cat videos for half an hour. But don't watch it for 31 minutes then. You say, you know what, Shaykh? My mind is extremely weak. I can only do 15 minutes of work a day and I have to watch cat videos afterward for four hours. Okay, then don't do 14 minutes of work. Do all 15. And don't watch cat videos for four hours and 10 minutes. Just watch them for four hours and then move on. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the only way you're going to get anything done. Otherwise, Shaitan, what what will he do? He'll make the 15 person who says 15 minutes, he'll make that into as much time as a person has a day. Day in and day out, a person will waste their time until they completely destroy their life and uh, they get nothing out of it or they get very little out of it. This is the way a person is going to uh, make their make their strategic plan. What should be in your strategic plan? If you want to get married, that should be in your strategic plan. This is something I see a lot of people ruin their lives because of. they say, oh, look, you know, like planning your marriage out too, too much ahead of time. Especially with girls, for whatever reason, you know, like the farangi has like made, the farinja have made so much fun of us and said, oh, look, you know, it's like a village idiot type thing that... Uh, a girl should get married. Don't think about your marriage and your family. Just think about your career, you know? It's there for men as well. But for women, it's like kind of like a sore spot that people get that tease each other about. Look, if you want to do it, you should plan it out. If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. If you're going to do it, plan it out properly. Whatever it is, marriage, job, money... Anything, anything it is that you want. You know, even if you're like, you know, Shaykh, this whole Ridwan Minallahi Akbar is like, whatever, it sounds wonderful and stuff like that. But I just want to make a lot of money and enjoy myself. You know, okay, don't do anything haram. Make as much money as you can. Still make a plan. Whatever you do, do it well. The person who wants to do something that's a waste of time, but they have a habit of doing it well, that person, when they finally make tawbah and come into the deen, they'll be good as a Muslim. The person who's bad at doing that stuff well, that person will be bad in the deen. This is test of... Uh, there's, uh, the Rasul ﷺ himself testifies to this fact. In a hadith of Sahih Bukhari, nonetheless, خياركم في الجاهلية الناس كالما عادل كما عادل الذهب الفضة خياركم في الجاهلية خياركم في الإسلام إذا فقوه وكما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام Human beings are alloys, meaning they have different qualities, like different metals have different qualities. The best of you in your ignorance, in your jahiliyah, will be the best of, your, best of you in Islam as long as you bother to learn and understand. Uh, uh, the religion. So this is a, a very quick overview. Some even more practical tips than that, because I think a lot of people get the idea. If you have more questions, you can ask afterward. But you get the idea of what mode of thinking you should be in if you want to ever achieve anything in your life. One is this: is that people should carry with them people should carry with them planners and diaries in which they, they schedule their their uh, appointments. Don't just keep the plan in your head. Write it down so you don't forget, and so that you can hold yourself to account. If nothing else, almost everybody carries one of these in their pockets. You know, if you're gonna get like YouTube and watch uh, kitty cat videos for like half an hour every day or whatever, you may as well use the calendar as, as well. Yeah. It's very easy. You know, if I, if I, if I need to do something on uh, uh, Thursday, the 9th of January, I click it, it opens. The, it has like an hour by hour uh, schedule or the thing will track by time zone. It will give you reminders. It will do all of those things. If you're going to end up doing all the other stuff and like getting into fights with people on social media and like watching what somebody else ate for dinner on Instagram like two weeks ago and all that other stuff, it's a waste of time. You may as well use a couple of things that are actually useful in the the device. Um, If you can carry around the old school like a, a diary that you write things in, when you write with your hand, it engages the brain a little bit better. But if, you know, some people can't do that, it's too much to carry around with them, at least... Write your, write your, your, uh, uh, your uh, important things into your week. Have a time every week that you plan out the rest of the week. Have a time every night where you plan out tomorrow. I mean, literally, Allah Ta'ala, what did we say? Ya أَيُّهَا Amanu, Ittaqullah. اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ Oh, you believe? Fear Allah. And let every soul look to what it prepared for tomorrow. And fear Allah. So, it's okay. Take five, ten minutes before you go to sleep at night. And think, or like the first thing when you wake up in the morning, and plan out what do you want to do in this day, and write it, write it out, and keep those, keep that schedule religiously. The second thing is this: is don't, don't let somebody else take your time. You give time if you want to. If you want to give someone your time, that's fine. Don't let them take your time that you're just floating around in their schedule. If there's a wedding and you want to go to that wedding for half an hour, go and leave after half an hour. If the food is served, if the food is not served, that's not your problem, that's their problem. If you know the food is going to be served late, then give the half an hour between 10.30 and 11 o'clock. If it's a wedding in Pakistan, it's probably more between 11.45 and 12.15 in the morning. Give the time you want to, schedule it, say you invited me, I accepted your invitation, give the time you want to, and then leave. Now someone might say, Shaykh, that's going to be really socially awkward. So, say, okay, that's fine. Does that, okay, you don't want to be socially awkward? I don't want to be socially awkward either. Even though you guys may not believe me, I don't. However, the wish and the desire to please everybody else, is that a reason that I should waste my life? When Allah Ta'ala said, you did nothing with your life, what are you going to be like? Well, I just wanted to make everybody else happy. That is an answer that a lot of people in the hellfire will give. That is an answer a lot of people in the hellfire will give. And don't think like, oh, I wanted to make everyone else happy because it's not my fault, it wasn't my choice. No, that itself is a choice. To give up, surrender the choice Allah gave you to do what, what is important with your life rather than to waste your life. That itself is a choice. You make that choice and then you have to abide by the consequences of that choice as well. And if you want to make that choice, that's fine. But don't, uh, 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 don't uh, abscond from the responsibility of, uh, uh, of what, the, what the repercussions of that choice are. Make the decision, do it. If you say half an hour is not enough to go to the wedding, okay, so I'm going to go to the wedding party for six hours. Go, have fun for the entire six hours, and then when you're done, leave. The thing is, when you have to write these things down and you look at them on paper, you all of a sudden become aware of what? Become aware of what you're doing with your life and where the inefficiencies lie and where the efficiencies lie. You might say, look, I'm giving seven hours to something, six hours to something that doesn't bring me any benefit and it doesn't make me happy. Then cut it out. Or here's something that, like, I should like. People will do weird things like that. They'll give like a whole bunch of uh, ridiculous time to people they don't like, and they won't spend time with their own children. They won't spend time with their own wives. They won't spend time with their own family members, with their parents, with the people that they love. They won't spend time in the house of Allah Taala. A person will say on their tongue that these are the things I love, but your schedule will tell you who do you love, what do you serve. By putting it down on paper, you become aware of, uh, of those things. And to be very frank with you, this is one thing I think that's really good about uh, American culture, um, that most immigrant Muslims find alien when they come to this country, which is what people do what they want to do over here. Now, many people will do what they want to do in a very irresponsible way. So what will happen? Someone dyes their hair pink and gets like metal spikes surgically inserted into their skull and like, you know, they go to work the next day, and then like the person's like, oh dude, what's that? And they're like, yeah, I got spikes put in. And they're like, oh man, like I wouldn't do that if it was my choice. But like, if it makes you happy, you go ahead and do it. I support you. If like pink hair spike dude can do that, then what's stopping you from memorizing the Quran? What's stopping you from like learning fiqh? What's stopping you from learning tajweed? You know, Baha'i Usama is giving the alaqah for free anyway on Thursdays, right? Thursdays after Isha, right? It, it's there, what's stopping you from doing that? That's great, you know, we're, we're like, no, I expect this from you, I expect that from you, I expect this from you, I expect that from you. You should get married in, in a way that, that's based on other people's expectations. Your work and your career is based on other people's expectations. Your salat or lack of salat is based on other people's expectations that I'm sitting with my cousins and none of them want to pray. So if I get up and pray, it'll be awkward in the majlis. So I'm just going like, to let it go and make qada when I get home at night and all these other things. We live for other people's expectations. And it's good to live for other people's expectations when those expectations are worth living for. But you have to make that choice and you have to own that choice as well. If you say, my father is a pious man, you know, and he expects me to not like earn haram. That's a good expectation you should live up to. But you choose that. It's not just something that happens like by the way. You know that you're going with the flow. Otherwise, again, many people end up in the hellfire just by what because of they're going with the flow. And this is what I meant when I said in the khutbah that if you don't have a plan of your own in your life, you're going to end up. You're going to end up being a tool in somebody else's plan, a prop in somebody else's plan. You know, like, a, like, like the plastic in the plastic bottle, right? I have no interest in it. Right now I treat it with respect, but once I'm done with the water, I got what I wanted with it, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna crush it and throw it in the garbage can. Why, because it means nothing to me. And there are people who have a plan, and you are like the plastic in the bottle to them. And you think you're doing them a favor or being friends with them, and you're not. They're just doing what they wanna do. And what ends up happening is a person like, oh my God, that person's so horrible. They're not horrible. They had a plan with their life. You cannot blame them for that. They have an agenda in their life. You cannot blame them for that. If it's a bad agenda, Allah will punish them for it. Who made you serve them in their bad agenda? You also had a choice. And you waived your, your, your uh, ability to, to, to fulfill that choice. That's your bad. You can't blame them for it. Even Shaytan himself will give a khutbah in the hellfire. Imagine that, right? Like, just like I stand up there and give khutbah, maybe it'll be 15 minutes in Arabic and 15 minutes in English. Who knows? Right? He said, don't blame me, blame yourselves. I had no power over you, I just gave you a choice. And you chose to follow me, so don't blame me, blame yourselves. What is that? Like, why is that included in the Qur'an? Right? If you find out that somebody used you afterward when you die." Yeah, if they were evil, that was bad on their part. Who, who put a chain in your neck and said that you have to go and serve these evil people? This is something that's so interesting. Like the deen has so much power in it. You know, zone. you don't need an army in order to end it. All of these weird like uh, armies of communists and uh, mulhideen and uh, Fulan sectarian zanadiqa and genocide groups and militias and this and that. All these weird groups that are ripping the Muslim world apart. What if every Muslim just woke up in the morning and said, You know what, I don't want to go to Jahannam in order to make some crazy warlord like rich or like powerful. I'm just not going to fight in his army. Why? Because I'm not going to be a prop in his plan. I have a plan of what I want from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then what? The entire, the entire enemy is defeated without having to raise a weapon. There was a time in which this thinking was so prevalent amongst the the, the Muslim world, uh, people of the Muslim world, there would be very few takers that would go and uh, take up the the sword of fasad, take up the sword of, uh, of mischief. And the people who weren't mischief makers, the people of islah, the people who were there to correct the ummah, they had power over those people so that when they fought them, they would overwhelm them. Now what is it? It's like the anbiya of old where a Nabi will make his da'wah, and like amongst the entire comb of 100,000 people, only 15, 20 people will support them. And all of them, you know, يَعْلَمُونَ بِمَا غَفَرَ That's it, they finish them. They finish them off because there's so few of them. But a person of intelligence should know that this this uh, uh, system is like the most efficient and the best system of bringing Islah into the, into the Ummah. This is one reason why, this is one reason why We don't put our trust in money, we don't put our trust in, we don't say that the power of Islam is based in the heaviness of these pillars and and how nice the dome is and how fancy the chandelier is. It's in what? It's in the thinking. If you can bring this thinking into people, right, you can bring this thinking into people, it will make a revolution without having to to fight a war. And when those things actually do go down, then they'll be tilted in the balance of islah, in the balance of, of rectification. But it's hard, it's easier to go and fight a war, it's easier to go and kill somebody than it is to like change yourself and like force yourself to like watch half an hour of kitty cat videos instead of like 45 minutes. It's not easy, it's like really harsh on the nafs. People run away from it as if like the angel of death is chasing after them. But for the people who can do it, who can embrace it, there's a great revolution in it, there's a great barakah in it. I want to end with one thing which is an observation I see in people who accept Islam or Muslims. Who go from non-practicing to practicing that once they start praying five times a day they start to freak out and what is the freak out they'll start to f- freak out and they'll say ah, sheikh i wasted all of my life what do i do like i wasted all half of my life i wasted all of my life why because the kafir doesn't care when he wakes up doesn't care when he goes to sleep doesn't care when he eats when he drinks right whereas if you have to constantly like think about the salat you're like all of a sudden aware of like the passage of time a kafir may sleep for like 14 hours straight and like no, not have a worry. Once you're aware of the, the flow of time, then what? It burns you. Even like five minutes that are wasted start to burn you. And even if you're not at that point yet, at least like, you know, four or five hours cannot pass without a person remembering Allah Ta'ala. Whereas there are, are people in this world, some of them even you know, are Muslims. حكما that years will pass and they won't give a serious thought toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if they die, they'll have a janazah and we'll bury them in our graveyard but years will pass and they won't remember Allah they won't remember the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam salat and fasting and all of these things وَلَا يَذْكُرُونَ Allah إِلَّا قَلِيلًا right, it's the sifa of the munafiqeen that they remember Allah ta'ala not at all or very little what is it? it's the barakah of being aware of the passage of time being able to plan and manage your time properly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us tawfiq. I'm in need for this reminder more than anybody else's. We should talk about these things and remind ourselves of these things. We should consider it an honor. The person who manages their time well, we should look up to them. And the person who's wasting their time, a person should take a lesson from that person and fear that Allah ta'ala will afflict you with that punishment. Because it's worse than sickness. It's worse than poverty. That a person should like let the time of the days of their life slip by and not, not, and not give any heed, not, not give any importance to it. Allah Ta'ala protect us and those of us who are in heedlessness, may Allah Ta'ala wake us from it and, and, and draw us out of it. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq of making good use of our time. That it be a, a, a hujja and a proof in our favor in this world and in the hereafter and, and not a proof against us. Sallallahu Wa Ta'ala wa ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Uh, yeah no we yeah, from Bottle club